Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are so encouraged to know that God is using the ocean to impact your life through the ministry of the word. Knowing that your life is being transformed is exactly why we exist. As our vision says, we exist to know Jesus and make him known. So sit back, relax, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life through this message. you guys but I know I love New Year's. I love the New Year because it represents so many amazing things. You know New Year represents new beginnings. It represents new hope. It represents new ambitions. It represents new purpose. You know it's it's so fresh. You know New Year is just that time of the year that you know you feel like there's just so much more hope you know and there's um, you can turn a new leaf like just something new is on the horizon. And so even with the new year, you know, it's important how we start the year because how we start the year is going to determine how the rest of the year is going to be. And so I am so excited this morning to really start this new year by kicking off with a new sermon series titled, I Am In. Church, church, I've got a question for you. Are you in? If you're in, let me hear you say, I'm in. Are you in? Are you really in? Well, sure, you are in because you're in 2020, you know? So, you know, you're in. Um, honestly, it's, um, it's so amazing because in the next four weeks of this sermon series, um, we're going to look at four qualities that will help us to understand better our status and our position in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God. This sermon series is really more about our identity. And so all the four qualities actually happen to start with the letters I-N, hence the title I'm in. Get it? Get it? Get it? Yeah. And so this morning, we're going to kick off with the first part of this sermon series. And so today I'm going to talk to you about one of the core themes of the gospel, and that is Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth to invite people like you and I into the family of God. That is the core of the gospel, and that is what we're going to look at this morning. Now, to be able to understand this concept better, can you please just open your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9. If you have your cell phones, you can go to YouVersion Bible app and go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 9 to verse 13. If you are there, let me hear you say, mm-hmm. Mm, that's only a few of you. Okay, I'm going to wait for some of y'all who are trying to make your way there. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 13. Um, is everybody there? Yeah. All right, great. So this is what the Word of God says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. <clears throat> so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Father God, 
I pray that this morning, Lord, may you speak through your word. Father, may your word pierce our hearts. That, Father, may your word resonate with us this morning so that, Father, it can go and change and transform us. Father, may we be open to receiving your word. And, Father, may you have your way in us this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So there was never a more unlikely candidate for the office of an apostle than Matthew. So Matthew was what they called a publican in those days, and publicans were tax collectors. So Matthew was a Jew who was assigned to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government from his other fellow Jews. And during Jesus' time, tax collectors were among the most hated and despised people in the community. You see, in those days, the Roman government would set a particular amount to be collected in a particular district. And so in those districts, they would also assign tax collectors to collect that certain amount of money from that particular place. Now, what was so interesting about this whole system was the fact that the tax collector was allowed to collect the money above and beyond even that which was required by the Roman government to be remitted. And so whatever amount of money he collected above the required amount, he got to keep that amount for himself. So now you can imagine what an incentive this was for these guys to lie and cheat on people. Because they had the encouragement to be able to raise money above and beyond that which was needed, and then they would then keep the rest for themselves and remit <clears throat> what is required to the Roman government. So for instance, if let's say in a particular district they were supposed to collect 1 million shillings for the Roman government, if they were able to collect 1.5 million, then they got to keep the 500,000 for themselves. And so with this in mind, the tax collectors then were people who were lying and deceptive and would cheat people so that they could be able to make as much money as they could from people. And that is why the community at that time really hated tax collectors because tax collectors were unlawful people. They had no heart, they had no remorse towards people. All they cared about was money. They only wanted to be rich, they only wanted to collect money, and so people hated them with a passion. Now, the Jews, specifically, hated the tax collectors so much. They hated them so much so that even in the Jewish law at the time, the tax collectors were not permitted to go into the synagogue. They did not allow the tax collectors to go into the holy temple of God to even go and worship because to them, the tax collectors were sinners and unclean people who were so beyond redemption and so beyond salvation. And so they would never even want to associate themselves with such people because tax collectors were seen as unclean and sinful people. So if there was anyone in that day at Capernaum who was an unlikely candidate to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is with Matthew because Matthew, the writer of this gospel of Matthew, was a tax collector. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw Matthew at the tax collector's booth, he invited Matthew to follow him and be his disciple. Now, you can imagine to me how shocking that must have been for the people who were there. Like, why would this person, why would Jesus invite this sinner? Why would he invite this unlawful, this immoral person to be his disciple? In fact, by doing this, Jesus was putting himself at risk because he was opening himself up to be slandered by people by being referred to as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Being called a friend of sinners and tax collectors at that time was not a compliment at all. In fact, it was an insult. 
But for some weird reason, Jesus did not seem to be put off by this. Jesus did not seem to be deterred by this. So why would he put himself in such a position? Why would he want to be slandered by people being known as a person who is a friend of tax collectors and sinners? Why would he want to be insulted by people to associate with this person? Why would Jesus go through this length to invite this social pariah, this sinner, this immoral person to be his follower, even though society in general had written anyone like him off? Well, the answer is simple. And here, is, here it is. When Jesus saw Matthew, he didn't just see a tax collector. He didn't just see a greedy person. He didn't just see a selfish person. Jesus saw a man in need. Jesus was able to see the vulnerabilities of this person. He saw the brokenness and the guilt of the man who, in an attempt to make the most of his life, lost it. He saw a man who is broken because of his own selfishness. He saw a man who is consumed by guilt and in need of forgiveness. He saw a man who is rejected by all and is in need of acceptance and a new purpose. And Jesus was willing to offer that to Matthew. Jesus saw in Matthew what other people around him could not see. Everybody else saw him as a tax collector, saw him as the sinner, as this immoral person, this person to not associate with. But Jesus saw something in him that other people could not see. Jesus saw what Matthew could become. Because this is what is amazing about Jesus. Jesus has the power and the ability to see in a person not only what he is, but also what he could become. And that is what is so beautiful and amazing about Jesus. And for this reason, Jesus invited Matthew, he invited this despised, this hated, this sinful tax collector to join his circle. Because Jesus invites the people that other people rejected. That is who Jesus is. That is what makes Jesus special. That Jesus is the only person who would invite the people that other people reject. So if you have ever felt unworthy, if you've ever felt unwanted, if you've ever felt rejected or uninvited, just know that you're not alone. You're in good company with people like Matthew. And Jesus is inviting you to follow him just like the way he did Matthew then. Jesus is inviting you today to be in a relationship with him just as he did Matthew then. Because you know what? Because Jesus sees your need, because Jesus loves you, because Jesus cares for you, because Jesus sees your heart. He sees you beneath the surface and he wants to transform your life for the better and give you a purpose and a future. That is who Jesus is. It is also interesting to notice in this passage, what Jesus did not do. Jesus did not look upon Matthew with judgment and condemnation. Jesus did not look at Matthew with anger or expect Matthew to clean up his life first before he invited him to follow him. No. Jesus never told Matthew that, hey, Matthew, clean up after yourself. Get your act together first, and then maybe I'll come back and you can follow me. No, the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw Matthew at his tax collector's booth, he just told him, hey, Matthew, follow me and be my disciple. He didn't put any conditions before that. He didn't ask him to go and clean up his life. He didn't ask him to go and, you know, just do all these other rituals first. No, no, just like, listen, come and be my disciple. Come and follow me. Jesus trusted that once Matthew got into a relationship with him, that Jesus would do the changing. Jesus knew that all that Matthew needed was to be in a relationship with him, that Matthew needed to walk with him. 
And that there was no way that if Matthew walked with him, that eventually Matthew would never change. Because truth is, there is no transformation, there is no change outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that is why Jesus did not put any conditions. He was just like, hey, Matthew, I see you here. I know who you are. I know what you're about, but you know what? I don't care about that. Come and follow me because I love you and I want to change your life. And truth is, starting that day, Matthew's life did change. When Matthew decided to leave his tax collector's booth to follow Jesus, Matthew's life changed tremendously. As a matter of fact, the gospel that we're reading today is written by that tax collector. And many of us are being impacted to this very day because that tax collector chose to make a decision to follow Jesus. He accepted the invitation from Jesus Christ to follow him and be his disciples. And you know what? The same is true today. Jesus wishes to do the same for you and I today. Jesus wishes for us to walk with him today because Jesus wants to change your life and Jesus wants to change my life. Furthermore, the gospel tells us that after Matthew made the decision to follow Jesus, Matthew then threw a party. He threw this dinner party at his house where he invited Jesus and his disciples. But then he also invited some of his friends who were tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible says, that he invited tax collectors and other disreputable sinners to come and eat with Jesus and his disciples. Now, I imagine that the reason why Matthew did this is because he was so overjoyed, so excited, you know, so elated by the fact that finally, Finally, somebody saw him, accepted him, loved him, and invited him to walk with him. And so Matthew decided that, you know what, I need to share the same thing with other people. Like, I need my friends to know who this person is, so I'm going to invite them, the only friends that I have who are the sinners and the tax collectors, to come and dine with this Jesus. But of course, there's always the naysayers. Because when the religious establishment saw what was happening, they were so upset. They were livid. Like, how could this happen? How could Jesus do this? And so then they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Imagine. Like, imagine how brutal these people were. They're like, listen, how could Jesus eat, eat with such filthy people? How could he eat with tax collectors and sinners? How? Like, why would he do it? How could he do this? Because the thing is that the... Um, the religious establishment, the Pharisees and the scribes, were people who were so holier than thou. They were people who rigidly kept the law, and so they felt like they were the ones that, you know, that they were clean, that they were the ones who were saved, that they were the ones who deserved, you know, to go to heaven. Like, everybody else was just a sinner around them. Everybody else did not deserve to even be in their company. And the Pharisees and scribes and other religious people, they never mixed with such people who were sinners. So for them, this was something that was so foreign that why would he eat with such scum? This person who claims to be the son of God, this person who claims to be, you know, this, the messenger from God, why would he do this? Who claims to be the savior of the world, you know, who claims to be this rabbi, why would he eat with such people? Because their kind never hung out with sinners. Their kind never hung out with tax collectors. Their kind never even got close to such people. They would never even invite them into their houses, nor even accept invitation to go to their houses. So you can imagine how this was shocking for the Pharisees and for the scribes. But you see, when Jesus heard their judgment, he turned to them and said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. 
Healthy people do not need a doctor. Sick people do. For I have come, not to those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. That is who Jesus came for. And so Jesus' defense was very, very simple. He merely said that he went where the need was greatest. That he would be such a horrible doctor if he would only visit houses of healthy people. You know, if you're, a, if you're a doctor and you're here, I'm sure you'd understand that there is no way that doctors only go and visit people who are healthy. You know, doctors go and visit people who are sick. The reason why people go to hospitals is because they want to be healed and doctors are there to heal the people and to treat the people. And that's what Jesus was saying here, that I'm a good doctor and I'm here to heal the people who are sick. It was Jesus' task to go to those who needed him the most, and that was sinners. And amongst sinners, that's where Jesus would move the most. And so Jesus invites sinners because they have a need, and he is the one that has a cure. In a nutshell, Jesus did not come to invite people who are so self-satisfied that they're convinced they're good and that they do not need anyone's help. Jesus came to invite people who are very conscious of their sin and are desperately aware of their need for a savior. That is who Jesus came for. And the reality is this, church. Every human being is a sinner. We are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. And so Jesus came for people exactly like us. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say that some have sinned, as many of us would like to believe. It says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, which means you and I. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus came exactly for people like you and I. Because people like you and I need him. Truth is, we cannot live our lives without Jesus. We cannot be transformed without Jesus. And so Jesus came for people like you and I, you know, with all of our issues, with all of our messes, with all of our sins. He came for us. And so we could be like Matthew today. And perhaps we wake up every morning feeling guilty, feeling shameful, feeling unworthy and undeserving to even be loved by God. But the good news is this, that God's everlasting love is offered to all people. It's offered to everyone. Sinners and all, he's offered to everyone. Even this morning, we're just saying a few minutes ago, oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. Oh, he chases me down, fights till I'm found and leaves the 99 that Jesus would be willing to leave the 99 to go for that one person because that's how much he loves us. That's how much Jesus loves you. That he would be willing to invite a sinner into a relationship with him. He would be willing to invite, to invite a person who's hated by the community, who's hated by everyone, to come and be his disciple. Because Jesus wants to change your life. Because Jesus wants to change my life. Because Jesus wants to transform us. Jesus wants to take us from being those caterpillars into these beautiful butterflies. Jesus wants to take us from trash to treasure. Jesus wants to convert our lives for the better because only he can save. Jesus is the only one who can save, and I am a living witness that he does. Jesus saves. Because sometimes even when I look at my own life, I honestly have to pinch myself and be like, honestly, is this real? Is this really true? Is this really who I am now? Am I here, like this, me being here, is this really a reality? Because truth is, I know who I was. I know where Jesus got me. I know where he brought me from. To even be here in this moment, it's only Jesus who can do that. No man can do this. 
No man can do this. And so if Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you. Jesus transformed my life from that alcoholic, you know, from that lustful person, from that fornicator, from that addict person who's addicted to pornography to this person where today I'm standing here in the pulpit and preaching the message of God. I mean, this is not normal. Regular people don't do this. Only Jesus can do this. He's the one that can radically transform your life. He's the only person that can radically change your life. If Jesus could do it for me, if Jesus could do it for Matthew, then Jesus can do it for you too today. Because when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't just see an alcoholic. He doesn't just see the fornicator, the adulterer, the gossiper, the backstabber, the thief, the addict, the liar, the corrupt person. No, when Jesus looks at you, he sees a man or woman in need of saving. He sees a man and woman in need of forgiveness. He sees a broken man and woman who needs to be healed. And he's willing to offer that healing to you today. Jesus is inviting you to be his follower and to be his disciple. He's inviting you into a relationship with him so that he can then transform you. Because it is only Jesus who can take your mess and turn it into a message. Jesus is the only one who can take your trash and then turn it into treasure. Only he can do that. Nobody else can do it. You can't even do it for yourself. You can try all the ways that you can to try to be good by your own power, by your own strength, you know, by your own will, and you can make all these different resolutions in terms of what you want to do. But let me tell you, you cannot change you. Only Jesus can change you. You cannot transform you. Only Jesus can transform you because he will give you the ability and the power when you're in the relationship with him to be transformed. Jesus transformed the broken Matthew from a tax collector to an apostle and evangelist. He transformed him from trash to treasure, and Jesus wants to do that for you today. He's extending the same invitation to us this very day in 2020. On the first Sunday, the 5th of January 2020, Jesus is extending that invitation to us. You see, what is so interesting is that Jesus did not change Matthew's past. He did not push the magic undo button that many of us would like to push. But he did change Matthew's future. From a tax collector to an evangelist. He did change Matthew's future. Jesus did not push the undo button in my life. I cannot undo the things that I did. I cannot undo who I was then. But Jesus changed my present and Jesus is changing my future. You know, and I'm here today. I'm standing here because of Jesus and what he did in my life. So, church, I just want you to know this morning that Jesus cannot change what you did in the past, but he can certainly change your present and your future if you let him. And so there is no point for you to cry over who you were yesterday, you know, to begin to, like, condemn yourself over what you did yesterday, over what you did last year, whatever, because you cannot change that. But should you choose to let Jesus transform your life, he can do that and he can change your future from now going forward. Jesus can change your life. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to do that for you today. He wants to change and transform you into this beautiful person that he sees you becoming. Because he's the only one that knows your potential. He knows who you are, more even than you know yourself. He's the one that created you. He's the one that gave you a purpose. And so he wants to show you today that he loves you. Because you are precious in God's sight, no matter how much you've messed up. No matter how much you've messed your life up and other people's lives, you are still pressured in his sight and he wants to save you. Because Jesus came for the lost, he came to heal the sick and to give life to those who are dead in their sins and transgressions, and that's us. 
So what is holding you back today? What is holding you back from accepting Jesus' invitation to being his follower and being his disciple? Is it sin? Is it being a sinner? Well, then let me help you out. In fact, being a sinner is the requirements that you need in order for you to be saved. If you were not a sinner, you would not need saving. But the very fact that you are a sinner is the reason why Jesus wants to save you today. So do not let that disqualify you so you have no any other reason to not accept his invitation. Because Jesus came for people like you and people like me. Jesus came to invite us into the family of God. And so you today are invited into God's family should you choose to accept Jesus' invitation. And so to this morning, Jesus is calling and making that invitation to you. Now, I know that some of us here, you know, we've, we've come from different places. We've come from different churches. Maybe we have even different experiences, you know. And perhaps in some of the places that you went, some of the churches you used to go to or visited, you felt like you were not accepted. You felt like you were not invited. You felt like you were not welcome into the family of God, like you were not welcome to church. Well, let me tell you that Jesus is welcoming you today. That Jesus is inviting you today to be a part of his family. You are loved. Jesus loves you. Jesus came for you should you choose to accept his invitation to be his disciple and to be his follower. So this morning, Jesus is calling. Jesus is inviting you to be in a relationship with him. He desires for you to know him. He desires for you to walk with him. He desires for you to be a part of his family. He desires for you to know him more. Because outside of a relationship with Jesus, we are just dead men walking. We may think we have life, but we're just zombies. We are dead men walking, and so we need Jesus. And so my question for you this morning is, will you accept his invitation? Let us bow our heads and close our eyes as we go into a moment of prayer. You see, Matthew, the tax collector, and a sinner became an apostle and evangelist who continues to impact millions today. The amazing transformation from being a social outcast, from being a sinner to being one of the writers of the Bible was only possible because he chose to accept the invitation to follow Jesus. So perhaps you are here this morning and you know that you have veered off a pathway away from God or God entangled in sin so badly that you think there is no way that God can ever love you, accept you, or invite you into his family. That is a lie, because God loves you, and he hasn't changed his mind about you. He sent his sinless and perfect son, Jesus, to come and die on the cross for your sins. Jesus died, and God raised him from the dead, so that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, and that includes you, would be saved, forgiven, and transformed. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter how dark your life is. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you slept last night. It doesn't matter what you were doing last night. What matters is here in this moment. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. His mercy is new this morning. Jesus wants to forgive your sins today. He's inviting you to enter into a personal relationship with him. Jesus wants you to start this year with him. He wants you to surrender your life to him. 
So if I've just described you this morning, if you can relate to Matthew's story, if you can relate to my story, and you say that you need God's mercy today, that you want to turn from your old life, and you want to turn toward him, you want to accept Jesus' invitation and surrender your life to him, if that's your prayer, if that's your prayer in here this morning, then please just lift your hand high right now. Do not feel ashamed. Do not feel scared. This is nothing to be ashamed about. This is a life decision. This is Jesus calling to you right now that if you want to accept his invitation this morning, just raise your hand. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to condemn you because Jesus is here for people like you and I. Thank you for all the people that are raising their hands. Thank you. Is there anybody else? This is the time. This is the opportunity for you to turn over a new leaf, for you to start the year with Jesus, for Jesus to transform your life. This is where it all starts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to ask all of us to pray together in support of our brothers and sisters who are choosing to respond to Jesus' invitation this morning. Let us all pray together the following. Heavenly Father, forgive all of my sins. Change my heart. Accept me now. Jesus, make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you and walk with you and serve you. Please be my Lord and Savior. My life is not my own. From this day forward, I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Church, could I have us give a huge clap of praise to Jesus this morning? This is the most important decision that anyone could ever make. This right here is what it's all about. This is why Jesus came, so as to reconcile us with himself. And so for my brothers and sisters who you made that decision this morning to give your life to Christ, I congratulate you. And I know there's a celebration in heaven for the decision that you made today. And for that, we celebrate with you. We celebrate with you. We love you and we invite you, you know, into the family of God. And so I would like to encourage you. Um, here at the Ocean, we have a class called Starting Point, and so it's a class for new believers, for people who've just given their lives to Christ, who want to now explore more and know more about the faith, and so I'd encourage you to go to the harbor, which is our information desk outside, and for you to just register to join Starting Point, because it's a class that is going to really um, give you more information and be able to help you to know more about what it means, you know, based on the decision that you made today. But with that, we thank you um, for being here. Thank you for choosing to make the decision. And I know that God is going to transform your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Church, good morning and have a blessed Sunday. Yeah.